Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and fire can coexist peacefully. This was now finest. Today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel due to this pandemic-type situation, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, the gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. That's the number 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's the G-A-L-R-Y dot com so that your wall will never be born again. Hey guys, I'm Nathan. And I'm Sean. And welcome to Petri Dish. Today we're going to talk about biofuels. We're talking biofuels. Mm -hmm. When we decided to talk about this and I was reading your notes, I had this epiphany that biofuels because of my biases sound really sexy to me. Right? It's biological fuel. Mm. But then, second epiphany... I was like, what is fuel? Yeah. Right? Like, I kind of realized I had always just assumed that the magisterium created fuel or fuel came in the form of kind of a primordial species that kind of granted unto us a kind of magic thing you burn and makes more magic. That's not that wrong, though. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the ancient lizard overlords kind of gave us a certain amount of fuel. But I kind of had this realization that, like, not only did I not really know what biofuels actually meant in some meaningful sense, but I didn't really know what fuel was and thus, like, what is the bio part of a biofuel? Yeah, that's fun because that's actually the same realization that I came to when I was writing up the notes was I was starting to write on biofuels and then I was like, I think we actually need to start this talking about what fuels are in the first place. You're so human to me right now. Yeah, we're very similar. The, the idea that someone who's three inches taller than me and so handsome can have thought <laughs> the same thing as me, I think I want to I think I want to live through this winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to make it, buddy. (laughs) I think we're both going to make it. Okay. Just hearing you say that. (laughs) So, in this episode, we're going to start out with a little bit of discussion about fuels and what we're trying to replace. And then we're going to talk about biofuel technology, where it's currently at, and what the next generation is. So, let's do this biofuel thing. So what really is fuel? So broadly, fuel is something that can store energy and it can get released to do work. Okay, but that's like... Mm, I mean, that's like a dinosaur, a Nathan, <laughs> you know? That, that's a very broad concept. Yeah. And I think we want to speak more specifically in this case about transport fuels. Right. So things you stick into other things in order to get around faster. Right. That includes things like gasoline and diesel and jet fuel. I often hear these things are called hydrocarbons. Yeah. That makes them sound so cute and cuddly like a Kevin Costner movie. Oh, really? You, you like the sound of hydrocarbons? Some people find that very sterile. 
and chemical sounding. They are that, though, right? <laughs> they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the major Bernie stuff in these fuels is some kind of hydrocarbon. And what hydrocarbons are, are they're little chains of carbon atoms. Cool. And the carbon atoms have little hydrogen atoms sticking off of them. That's just like us. We're also carbon with things attached. That is true. Oh. That is true. Maybe there's a link. Maybe hydrocarbons used to be carbon other things. <laughs> yes. Whoa. We will get to that. Spoiler. Um, so broadly speaking, a lot of different molecules that have a carbon backbone are called organic molecules. Right. So hydrocarbons are a kind of what, quote unquote, organic molecule. Ah. But the main idea with hydrocarbons is there aren't other atoms. It's just... Carbon and hydrogen. Because if you put other atoms on there, it fucks it up, right? Well, it just becomes something else, right. right? A hydrocarbon with one oxygen and a hydrogen attached to it becomes an alcohol, for right. example. So okay. it's a, we just have different names for those things. But basically, when you take these hydrocarbons and you mix them with oxygen hmm. and you give them kind of a little energy kick, then they release a bunch of energy, okay? The carbons, they break apart. They hook up with some oxygen and they make carbon dioxide, the hydrogens, they hook up with some oxygen, they make some water. And so these hydrocarbons basically burst apart in what's called combustion. Right. That releases a lot of energy. Right. Whenever bonds break between, like, elements, it's like, whoa, Nelly! It's a lot of energy all of a sudden, right? So some reactions take more energy to get them started than they give out, mm. okay? But the hydrocarbons combusting... That's what's called exothermic. So you give it a little bit of energy, but then a bunch of energy comes out. And that's right. why we can get work out of it, right? right? And so hydrocarbons, they can be a bunch of different lengths. Right. Because it's a chain of carbons. It could be really long. It could just be a few long. So if there are exothermic reactions, why don't we have perpetual motion machines? What? We'll save that for a later episode. <laughs> 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 I feel like they're not related to each other. We need an episode of Perpetual Motion Machines. I Yeah, okay. I don't know how we're going to... Maybe it'll be a mini episode, because it's mostly going to be me saying, no! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pose you scenarios, but you still need to do the research for that. Sure, sure. So, hydrocarbon, they can be different lengths. They can be also organized in a few different ways. So, they can be like a straight chain of carbons, like single-file carbons, mm -hmm. right? Or they can be branched, right? So, carbons, and then they kind of... Go off into Y shapes or carbons kind of sticking off in is little directions. particular one better for burning or for getting more energy, more bang for your buck? Um, a lot of times the processing that we do to make like gasoline yeah. will take some of the straight chain ones and turn them into branched ones a little bit. Okay. Not fully, but kind of to become a mix of them. So I think a mix works better for our purposes. So how do we make it? I'll get to that in a second. That's a whole bunch you of processing. Son of a bitch. So you can also have like rings of hydrocarbons. Okay. So hydrocarbons can also have different kinds of bonds between the carbons. They can either be single bonds or they can be double bonds. So that's another way that they can be kind of different from one another, right? And different fuels, like the three that I mentioned, they have different hydrocarbons based on their like yeah. lengths and bonds and branching and all that shit. You know, at Costco, I demand this. What? I'm like, I only want the fuel that circles, <laughs> right? And they're like, whoa, really? Wow. High quality customer. Oh my God. And I pay that extra premium. You, you go to the pump. That's for like... circle carbon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want no straight hydrocarbons. Wow. Yeah. I love Costco. A lot of times, actually, we break apart the circle ones. That's why I pay premium. So look. Organic fuel. When we make these hydrocarbons, a bulk of the hydrocarbons that we have ever used come from crude oil okay so what's crude oil 
I feel like I heard that in Al Gore documentary once and I never really understood. Yeah, it's like uh, liquidy hydrocarbons that are located underground, usually in and underneath sedimentary rock formations. Okay, so you just have like, like under underneath the surface, naturally occurring. Yeah, yeah, and it's from a processing of organic matter, mostly like algae and shit. Okay. A you lot like of the time- algae eat up organic matter and then poop out crude oil? No, like dead algae... Oh. They, like, fall to the seafloor before they're completely taken apart by bacteria. Oh, interesting. And then they get covered by sediment on the seafloor. Wow. Again, before the bacteria can fully get to them. So everyone jokes about dinosaurs, but it's not really dinosaurs. It's, like, algae. Yeah, it's much more algae than it is dinosaurs. Wow. This sounds very unrenewable. I want more of it. (laughs) It sounds hard to make. Yeah, so someday maybe we can have an episode about kerogen which is sort of like the in-between spot from all of the algae mm-hmm. and petroleum, which is what kerogen kind of turns into. Okay. But it's, I was reading about it. I was thinking about putting it in this episode. It's like way too complicated. You got sleepy. Because kerogen is like this like weird biopolymer that's formed from like the algae breaking down into little bits and then those randomly recombining into shit that like can't get dissolved by organic right. solvents. So like it's, it's complicated. And this made you so horny that instead you went for liquid morkite <laughs> as a dwarf in the game Deep Rock Galactic. Wow. Which is an awesome game. I want everyone who listens to this pod to go buy that game. Say the game name again. I, th- I think it's Deep Rock Galactic. Is that, yeah. Is that his name? Sounds like it. It's fucking awesome, dude. It's like four dwarves and you're just like pillaging all these, all these places. <laughs> it's, it's like a... Low-key indictment of, like, the capitalist exploitation of it's workers. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and of en- environments generally, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Minecraft meets uh, Left 4 Dead 2, or 1. Yeah, gameplay-wise. Yeah. And then topic-wise, it is kind of bleak. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Anyway, okay. Okay. Wow, fuck. Uh, they are not even paying us. Should we stream this? <laughs> should we stream us playing this game? <laughs> if, if anybody hits me up on Twitter saying that we should, then we can do it. One viewer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good enough. Okay, so what the fuck was I saying? Oh, yeah. So basically, I'm not going to get into how algae turns into oil eventually. Yes. In this episode. Maybe sometime in the future. But the point is that algae and stuff like that does turn into petroleum. And petroleum is like all the kinds of hydrocarbons that are sitting there in and underneath sedimentary rock. Okay. And that can be in gas form, liquid form, solid form. And the liquid form is crude oil. Okay. Wow. And what happens is we will grab up some of that crude oil and then we split it up into fractions, Mm -hmm. often through distillation. Okay. Okay. So distillation, you kind of, you boil it and at different temperatures or at different pressures, some amount of it will turn into a gas. Wow. And you collect that and let it go back into a liquid. And then that's one fraction of crude oil. How the fuck did anyone even figure this out? Like who's the first crazy horny fuck who's looking at oozy, oozy, ooze, ooze and was like, I bet you could burn that. Oh boy. It goes back a long time. I guess if you think about hydrocarbons broader than crude oil and you think about like charcoal or whatever, like all sorts of things, then like, I guess really it's been a long time. But what about oozy stuff? Like who looked at oozy gross stuff underneath the earth and was like, I bet I could use that. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Ravi is how I remember his name, but he probably has a much. Was this like a Sanskrit god or something? 
No, it, he was a Muslim scholar. Oh, okay. Who did a lot of, you know, what you would call kind of alchemisty shit at the time. Sweet. But he did, if I remember correctly, distillation of crude oil into a few different fractions, one of which they used for like lamp oil and shit like that. That's pretty cool. And then later on in Europe, they further refined into like kerosene and shit like right. that. I'm really underestimating how much free time people have had over the last few thousand years. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, people, so, so, people have burned everything you can burn. Yeah, and you know, there's records in China about them burning, maybe it was just straight up crude oil, but like they were burning shit from crude oil at least 2,000 years ago. I'm going to sound real stupid, but are there places where there's just like crude oil on the ground? Yeah. Really? Where? Oh, uh, one place, it's not exactly crude oil, it's bitumen. Okay. But there's the Alberta oil sands is what they're called. Oh. And so you can find the bitumen kind of in the sand. It's kind of like black sand with those really high hydrocarbon. Wow. No wonder people do the magic. You're just like walking along, like some burbling black stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that shit can catch on fire, apparently. I mean, I got that. I was full blown believing witches. <laughs> okay, anyway, I'm sorry, but that's No, it's all good. Crazy. No, it, it, it is interesting. That's like a little topical, actually. We actually have a long history of using hydrocarbons for that kind of thing. Yeah. It is much more recently that we've gotten very good at taking crude oil and breaking it apart into a bunch of different shit that we can use. Right. The 20th century is really when this technology matured very significantly. Right. And so you can use what's called atmospheric distillation to take crude oil and turn it into propane and butane out of it. Butane. And then you can get a lot of stuff that you further process into gasoline. Sean, do you know what butane is? I believe it is a bastard gas. It's a bastard gas. (laughs) (laughs) If you weren't my brother, I'd hug you. You hug me a lot explicitly because I'm your brother. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're my brother, I'll fuck you. <laughs> okay, sorry. Here you, go. you can also get kerosene, and then a different later fraction is diesel. And then you can combine different shit like kerosene and some of the other fractions to make jet fuel. And you can get asphalt out of it. Like that. Basically, there's all kinds of stuff. Oh, that actually reminds me. You were talking about the history. What's his name? Herodotus? Herodotus, right? God damn. Herodotus mentions that, like, the walls of Ur or Babylon, maybe, are partially made out of asphalt. So they already knew about asphalt as, like, a potential building material all the way back then. Oh. Anyhow. So the main point is crude oil, it's got a lot of shit in it. And we have ways of splitting it up into little fractions and further changing them so that they become more branched or they go from a circle to a straight chain All that kinds of shit. Changing it so that they don't have double bonds anymore. They're all single bonds. That's all processing that we know how to do now. And that happens in order for us to make the gasoline that we use, to make the diesel that we use, and etc. Well, goddammit, why are environmentalists always getting so mad about how good this stuff is? It sounds to me like this is a marvel of modern America. I kind of stopped being Hank Hill. Yeah. God damn it. I had to, do, I had to say God damn it to get back into my Hank Hill. Uh, yeah, okay. So hydrocarbons, when they get blown up or combusted, right, that results in energy, carbon dioxide, and water when things happen like the way that they do in a chemistry textbook. Okay, that all sounds pretty good stuff, dude. Carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. Awesome. And so we have the climate change situation going on. We're trying to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide that we're producing. Listen to our episode on it. Exactly. In case you've never heard. We had a two-parter. Our audience is uh, not a climate change knowledgeable <laughs> audience. Okay, they, don't, they don't believe in climate change. All right. So 
that specific chemistry reaction is kind of a best case scenario. Right. In that in the real world, combustion usually happens not completely. Right. And so you have a bunch of side products show up. Things like carbon monoxide and nitrogen oxides and metals and sulfur compounds and other shit that was in the fuel. Cool. Contaminants and stuff, right? Okay, so this is why like some fuels are more expensive than others. There's like quality gradients actually and it's kind of like how much other shit is in the fuel when it's harvested or is in the crude oil when it's actually harvested. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely differences in the crude oil which can go all the way back to what kind of plant shit fell to the bottom of the ocean and turned into the crude oil. That's so Um, cool, man. But... Also, beyond that, some of the things that are added in are added in on purpose to try to improve the qualities of, like, the gasoline or something. And then we figure out, like, oh, well, that does improve the qualities for, like, an engineering perspective. But for an environmental perspective, it's not great. You know what I'm going to do if, like, the world, like, if we blow it, which, you know, probably. And, like, if we blow it and we know the world's going to end in, like, 80 years as far as human life is concerned. Yeah. I'm going to just put algae at the bottom of the ocean. So um, that in like, in like 20 million years later, whatever next species has a chance, sure. we won't have just like depleted the earth entirely. Yeah. They'll have some fuel too, and they'll just notice that it's all derived from Cheetos. And sure. they'll be wondering, sure, yeah, what just, happened there? You're just going to bank it. Yeah, yeah. so well, all Kim. one thing I'd heard is yeah. not just those kind of petroleum things, but also like easy access to metal ores yeah. and stuff because a lot of metal is like processed, right? And a right. lot of like surface level mines have been mined. Yeah. So being able to like take things that are alloys and going back to like an elemental yeah. state, you should do that too yeah. for the future whale people or whatever. I was about to say, it makes you realize what dinosaurs got so fucked. You know, like dinosaurs never really got that smart. And the problem was that the whale squid wars uh, yes. from hundreds of millions of years ago sure. mined all that shit. Yeah. Dinosaurs were in that awkward interregnum where they didn't have enough shit, fucking got blasted by a meteorite, and then then there was enough geological time that passed for us to have shit again come up to the crust. Sure, sure. They they didn't have enough resources to build the rocket and put the Bruce Willis dinosaur on yeah. to stop Armageddon from happening. And what's so sad is they had the Bruce Willis dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, he was just sitting there. He was like, ah! But no rocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he even looked like Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you're an ugly fucking dinosaur. You have a fat fucking head, fucking dinosaur. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm glad we did it. (laughs) Okay. So a lot of these other things. uh, So for example, diesel used to have a lot of sulfur compounds in it. Yes. Those sulfurs could get released from the cars or machinery that was burning the diesel fuel and could cause acid rain. Okay. Because the sulfur would go up and convert into sulfuric acid. Ah. Acid rain is a much smaller issue now. It's not just from diesel fuel. It's also from coal power plants. Cool. Both of those we have significantly reduced the amount of sulfur. Right. Because acid rain was like a very clear and shitty danger. Right. This is like one of those reasons why environmental regulation is good is that there's actually things that are just kind of solvable. Yeah. And like positive sum. Yeah. You actually like could just like do better on your oil. Yeah. Although (laughs) it is interesting because diesel fuel, when we removed the sulfur compounds from diesel fuel, it actually changed the viscosity of the fuel. Oh. It made it thicker. Okay. So it's win Less lubricating. This is actually worse. Oh, So it's shit. actually worse for engines. Oh. Um, but what Win-lose. Yeah, but, but... Not worth acid rain. But... Yeah. Biodiesel is a little bit looser. Ooh. And so when you mix biodiesel with right. diesel, it gets a nice. little looser. You put diesel with some cocoa butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> you, you are 
suspiciously close to right about that. <laughs> it's um, almost like I actually read your notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, these fuels can be pretty bad for humans and also the environment. Leaded gasoline, for example, was yeah. notoriously bad for people. Yeah. But just broadly, these are kind of bad for the environment. It's, it's the reason the boomers are our most enlightened generation. <laughs> and have made a series of great choices <laughs> that we all live with now. But also, besides being bad for the environment, they are also something that have been forming over hundreds of millions of years. And the pace of that formation is much slower than our pace of burning it. So petroleum-based fuels are non-renewable on the scale that we use them. Right. And crude oil and a bulk of it, a bulk of it goes toward making fuel. Right. But when I was in the lab doing polymer chemistry and, you know, doing all this organic chemistry shit, a lot of the molecules I was using were from petroleum. Right. Petroleum is like a huge feedstock to making industrial and research chemicals. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, if that's a non-renewable thing. That's a whoopsie. Yeah. And, you know, it'd be nice if we could conserve that for things that we really can't replace it for. Does it ever right. make you feel fatalistic? Like to kind of know you're probably in the last generation of scientists <laughs> before re-emerging religious wars and climate change just obliterate your race? I have interestingly felt fatalistic about some resource things before. Right. But they're always weird ones. Like right, helium like, is like a weird thing to feel fatalistic about. Yeah, just go to the sun. <laughs> the sun's right there idiot you can see it every day it's like two miles away you fucking idiot oh fuck uh, we're doomed okay anyway uh, I played Mass Effect just all over the place so that is fantastic great I'm glad we said all of those words let's take a break okay <laughs> and then when we come back let's talk about the current generation of biofuels that are like Directly in your butts right now. I direct Greta Thurmberg right in my eye! <laughs> Let's take a break. Yep. This is Donatello Iglesias, and right now, in a basement next door, there's an angry white guy who can't get laid, forming toxic communities that spill out into our otherwise idyllic forums like 4chan and Reddit. These involuntary celibates, or incels, are turning America into their basements, which is to say, underground male cesspools. We need to do something with these unfuckable dudes fast. Well, now you can help with my cell. Sign up, and our adoption agency will set you up with the perfect incel. You'll Skype with them on a regular basis, periodically send a barber to clean them up, and even shoot them over basic hygienic products like deodorant and exfoliant creams for their dirty, dirty faces. You'll help push them up the stairs, out of their parents' basement, and into the wider world. These people need help. We all know that. But none of us really want to actually meet them. So now you can help these incels from a safe distance with MyCell. Sign up and save an incel today. Okay, so sometimes the fuels we have right now pollute a lot. Mm -hmm. And then, if nothing else, there's only a limited amount of it. Yes. So we need to fucking deal with that, and this is where biofuels come in. Right, so there are other renewable energy sources. Yeah, we already like, did an episode. One. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On geothermal. Right. That but one's cool. Solar and wind and Lame. hydro. So we got all those other options. Yes. And all told, those probably pollute a lot less than non-renewable fossil fuels. Right. But they're like 100% relying on batteries. And we need to get, even in the future, probably still want a fuel that you can carry onto your plane, onto your ship, blah, blah, blah. Right? Like, we're probably, you know, electrifying the entire fucking 
you know, Pete Buttigieg is going to electrify the Department of Transportation. It's like, still, you're probably going to need some cars with fuel in it. Yeah, so I think some people thinking about a renewable biofuel. So a biofuel that handles the non-renewable issue right. might still say, well, you still burn it in your car or whatever, right? Right. And there's still a tailpipe and shit still comes out, right? So it is true. The yeah. biofuel doesn't, like, stop exhaust from happening. Sometimes you grow it from something. Right. And the thing that you grow will capture carbon. And so so biofuels might be able to be carbon neutral, right. maybe, let's say. But still, that argument is fair, yeah. except for the part that you said, which is electrification of the grid, getting us all on solar and, you know, wind and all that stuff, all of us driving Teslas. Right. Even when you do that, there's probably some transportation things that, at least for a while, we will not have electric options for. Right. And uh, I think a big one is planes, but also trucking and cargo ships right. are all going to be difficult to pull off. Yeah. I mean, I have some friends whose perfect world is communitarian, and they live in small groves of Minnesota and just, like, fuck and, and use lanterns. Oh, good. But barring that dystopia, right, we need some renewable biofuel. Yeah, it, it's just planes are going to keep burning some kind of fuel. It'd be nice if that fuel was carbon neutral and renewable. Right. right? That's kind of the big pitch for why do a biofuel at all instead of like you know people being like oh well just do everything solar then right. it's just it's not an option Wait, for something over here mr sean yeah what's up chuck grassley oh. he's in the senate yikes that's why we do biofuel okay great i mean isn't that kind of part of it is that like there's like a certain amount of political win behind even inefficient forms of biofuel there's a big lobby for the ethanol based like corn lobby right right gotta help farmers yeah, so that is a political aspect that we're going to talk about. But anyway, the main kinds of biofuel that are used right now. Okay, so we're not talking about a technology that maybe 10, 20 years in the future we're going to be doing. Right, fucking now. Right now, right. there's three of them that we do. Awesome, Moderna, Oxford, and Pfizer. <laughs> right. We, we still have to do that back to Biofuels. Ethanol, okay. biodiesel, and sustainable aviation fuel. Okay, so the first one, guys, number one. Boop, 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 boop. Ethanol. I've yeah. heard of this. Yeah. I drink it. Some tonight, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some right now. <laughs> yeah. So this kind of makes some sense intuitively, even in my lizard brain, mm-hmm. uh, because I come from an underground civilization. But like you have if 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 if, if hydrocarbon is like C C C C C and some hydros mm-hmm. on it, ethanol you said was like C C C C C O H on there, right? Yeah. So they're really similar. All you yeah. gotta do is hack a little bit off it, and all of a sudden it's a hydrocarbon. Yeah, so ethanol is a CCOH. Yeah. Uh, can so can, can I translate two. what I just said? Sure. I think you did a pretty good job. Go for oh, it. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I forgot <laughs> what yeah, I was gonna just, say. Just, chemi- chemically, <laughs> no! chemically, alcohols are pretty similar to hydrocarbons. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, that is true. <laughs> um,. Ethanol is a particularly short alcohol. Right. Shorter than most of the hydrocarbons used in fuel. Right. Maybe in part because of that, ethanol is actually less energy dense than gasoline. Oh. Okay, so what that means is if you take a gallon of ethanol and a gallon of gasoline and you burn both of them, you get way more energy out of the gasoline. The mm-hmm. ethanol gives you about 30% of the energy. Which is another way of saying you'd have to burn a lot more of the ethanol. Mm-hmm. And then this would be kind of a silly exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Not necessarily that silly, but it does mean that, uh, like, for example, when you see fuel efficiencies on cars right. in miles per gallon, if those cars are burning a fuel with more and more ethanol in it, 
their fuel efficiency will go down. You will go fewer miles per gallon. Okay. Uh, and so that number will look lower, and you'll be like, oh, the char got shittier or whatever. Yeah. But burning ethanol might actually burn cleaner than gasoline does. Okay. So there might be some benefits anyway. So you're helping the world at the expense of your pocketbook. A little bit, yeah. So it'll never happen. <laughs> well, so the thing is, gas that we use in cars today... Are actually a mix. ...have some ethanol mixed in. Okay, And cool. at a lot of pumps, you will see a sticker that says 5 to 10% or up to 10% ethanol. Yeah. In the U.S., sometimes they're not a full 10%. Yeah. But up to 10%. And that can go in basically any of the cars that are on the road right now. That's cool. That's kind of one of those quiet little new liberal ways that we're helping the environment... Without anyone knowing it, and thus leading to Republican backlash. Well, some people know it, because, uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, like, in California, there's a lot of mandates to make engines more efficient, and the gasoline in California is different than Sean, the destination. Gavin Newsom, yes or no? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I also like the restaurant French Laundry. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that such a strange name for a restaurant, by the way? Yes. I would never eat at a place called French Laundry. I don't remember what laundry is supposed to mean besides, like, what I do with my dirty clothes. <laughs> I feel like I've got what a What I meaning. do with your dirty clothes. Yeah, you that's, that's fucked up. Okay. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear the story about what you do with my, with my boxers. Um, it's a short story. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Okay. Some vehicles that are currently on the road are called flexible fuel vehicles in the U.S., and you can look this up online. You can see if your car is one of them. They're mostly pickup trucks, interestingly. And these pickup trucks can handle much more ethanol than what's normally at the pump. That's pretty funny. So if you're driving a pickup truck, you're, you're secretly part of the secret liberal agenda. So I would say not probably, but there's definitely models of pickup truck that you might just buy because you like that Pickups. pickup. Yeah. And you don't notice anywhere that it like has a little label that says flexible fuel vehicle. But you could be burning up to 83% ethanol in that truck because its engine is designed to be able to handle more ethanol. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So normally, most cars before 2001, their engines aren't designed to handle what's called knocking quite as well. Okay. That means premature kind of explosion of the hydrocarbons. Wow, that's scary sounding. Uh, yeah. It, it, I guess that's just a car, really. Yeah, except in a car, in like a gasoline car you time the explosions really well yeah. so that the piston's in the right spot and so that you can have the explosion and that creates the right amount of work and everything. Having a misfired piston can kind of reduce the efficiency of your engine. Yeah. It can fuck up your engine. Um, I always misfire. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's very inefficient. <laughs> Why are you looking at Stacy when you say that? <laughs> I was looking at you, bud. Uh-oh. Um, okay. Anyway... So some passenger cars produced after 2001 can actually handle up to 15% ethanolic gasoline, but that's not sold super commonly in the U.S., so usually you're just going to get the 10%, okay? What do we make ethanol from? Yeah, so most of the time we make it from corn and sugarcane. Okay. Uh, it's usually corn in the U.S., and in Brazil it's, uh, I think, a majority sugarcane. So bourbon and rum. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you could drink that kind of ethanol, and it would, like, be tasty. Yeah, yeah. 
I think a lot of times when it gets sold to get mixed with gasoline. Yeah, you had to make it childproof, right? Like the prescription bottle, you had to have the lock on it. (laughs) They actually mix in some other stuff to make it toxic to people to drink. Hilarious. So so when I buy ethanol for lab, because we use ethanol to like spray down to decontaminate stuff. Yeah, I often spray you down in alcohol. It's usually an ethanol that has a little bit of methanol and a little bit of like benzene and shit slipped in there. Hilarious. So you cannot dilute it and drink it like vodka. Because otherwise that's what you could do. Right. But they purposefully make it so you can't do that. Fascinating. Anywho, so corn and sugar cane. And the thing is that corn and sugar cane are things we grow on arable land. Right. And so if food scarcity is your kind of thing or like you're, oh, maybe we should use arable land for other stuff. Right. Then this kind of market might be something that you're worried about. Right. We don't want to be like, make a Maoist five-year plan and be like, oh, make sugarcane for fuel. And then like just like 20 million peasants just die next year. Right. And the economics of things can sometimes work out such that you make more money growing corn and selling it to somebody who's going to make ethanol out of it than growing corn and eating it or selling it to a food company. So like, you know, the economics of it and arable land, et cetera, there's a little bit of stuff to get into there maybe. But basically that's how the ethanol part works. Shut up. Tell me about biodiesel. (laughs) Yeah, so biodiesel has the word diesel in it. Right. I like totally already don't know what diesel is. Right. It's like very European to me. So diesel gets used in a lot of kind of heavier machinery, but also gets used in some cars. It's more popular in Europe. You're right. And diesel kind of goes into a diesel engine, which works maybe not fundamentally differently, but fairly differently from gasoline. Right, there's like a little Dobby in there, actually, that just drinks the (laughs) diesel and farts. And that's what powers the little Italian car down the rocky road. Gasoline engines have a spark plug. Oh. And so gasoline gets aerosolized into kind of like a, a vapor, and then a spark plug explodes it. That's pretty cool. Whereas diesel, the fuel gets injected as the piston compresses, and the compression heats up the chamber. Is this part of the reason Italian cars break so much? I don't... It sounds harder. I think that's why. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so the, the point is, well, <laughs> diesel fuel is different than gasoline. Yeah. It's got different hydrocarbons in it. It's got a different blend of hydrocarbons. And it's not as volatile. It doesn't turn into a gas as easily. Okay, cool. But the main point is, you have this biodiesel, okay? And it does have the word diesel in it, but biodiesel is not similar to diesel. Okay. Just like ethanol is not... Like gasoline, they are two fucking different things. Right. Biodiesel is fundamentally different from diesel. Is there some weird marketing thing that they have the same name? It's probably because we we mix biodiesel in with diesel. Ah, okay, And that's cool. just why it's called that. But it's basically pretty damn different. The way that you make biodiesel is you take fatty acids, which you can get from vegetable oils, like soybean oil, or you can get from animal fats, like tallow. Mm. You can get from cooking oil, like used cooking oil. And you take those fatty acids and you react them with methanol or ethanol. Okay. Until they're not acids anymore. Cool. They are kind of similar to a hydrocarbon, except they do have an oxygen in there, usually nearby one of the ends. Cool. But functionally, they're fairly similar to a hydrocarbon. And then you can take those guys and mix them in. Usually they get mixed in between 5 to 20% in diesel. And then that can go into the diesel cars and the diesel machinery and all that kinds of shit. Cool. But, you know, fundamentally, it's it's kind of crazy. You can take used cooking oil and basically react it with an alcohol and then get to the point where you can mix that in with some diesel. Awesome. And, yeah, it's got different qualities from regular diesel. So you can't put too much of it in diesel because a lot of diesel engines 
there's parts of the diesel engine that can dissolve in biodiesel. Wow. So you can't have too much of it. That's crazy. Why don't they just replace the engine part with something that doesn't dissolve? Yeah, that is a thing that they are kind of doing. Right. But for a lot of this kind of stuff, they want it to be what's called a drop-in fuel. Okay. And that means that for all of the stuff that's on the market right now, you want to be able to use whatever fuel you're making just in all the shit. Right. And that's why, like... Cars right now can handle 15% ethanol, like the new cars. Right. But people are still driving cars from before 2001. Cool. Right? So you don't want the pumps to all be 15% ethanol because you'd fuck up older cars. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. Some diesel engines can handle more biodiesel, but not all of them. So it's not as popular right now. Okay. Okay. Well, how about planes? Yeah. So this is interesting. I didn't know we were doing this already. But jet fuel is one of the big fuels that we will need to take care of because it's really hard to electrify that one, right? And so, because batteries are heavy. Batteries are really heavy. It's hard to fly things through the air with a gigantic battery on them. Sustainable aviation fuel is what it's called when we do this kind of biofuel shit for jet engines. And it's usually made from a few different sources. One of them is basically the same way that we make biodiesel for the initial part, the same source animal fats, used cooking oil, soybean oil. But with biodiesel, you just take that oil and you react it with some alcohol. Right, but that won't cut it for a plane. Right. Jet engines require a little extra oomph. They require things to be a little bit more similar to jet fuel that we make now. And so what you actually do is you go through this process, this kind of trio of processes called hydrogenation, propane cleave, and deoxygenation. Okay. And basically, that's taking... The uh, you, you get a carbon chain with a little oxygen in it. That's what you get for biodiesel. You take that, you shove a bunch more hydrogens on it. Cool. And then you cut off the oxygen. Very cool. And then from there, it's basically kind of like something you'd get out of crude oil. Okay. So you can put it through all the same technology that we have for crude oil processing. And then you end up with something that is like very similar to jet fuel. How much energy does it take to reach that product? Right. I think for jet fuel... It takes more energy going in than you get out of the jet fuel. Oh, okay. But if we had a fully electrified grid, that wouldn't necessarily be a problem. Okay. It might be a cost problem, but it's not an environmental problem. Okay. So that comes into play of like, where is the energy source for the grid? But all that stuff happens in plants and shit like that, right? Right. So that's, you know, maybe the future as we electrify more, that becomes less of an issue. Mm -hmm. But... It ends up being much more similar to a petroleum product because you basically got it to the point where you can put it through the same crude oil kind of methods. There's another way to make it. You can do it through what's called the Fischer Tropsic Synthetic Paraffinic Kerosene Method. Okay, very cool. For that, you can get biomass from like forestry or grasses or whatever kind of shit. And then you take all that stuff and you break it down to carbon monoxide and hydrogen gas. Okay. Usually you do that by like burning them at really high temperature and then you get these gases and then you put them in with a catalyst and that gets turned into hydrocarbons. Okay. That is also a pretty high energy process. But again, both of these things, it takes a lot of energy to make it, but you end up with a product that you can use in commercial jets and shit. In commercial jet fuel, you can mix in 50% of this sustainable aviation fuel. Okay. Biodiesel, we were talking five to 20%. Right. Right. For gasoline, we were talking about like 5, 10, 15% ethanol. Right. This is 50% for commercial jets and 100% in the latest military jets. Damn. Okay, so this shit is like straight up a replacement. You can replace 
jet fuel with this stuff. Cool. Yeah, so that, I mean, that, that is where we're sitting at like currently right now. Okay. Let's take a quick break because then we're going to talk about the next generation. Yeah. Biofuel. The following is an actual advertisement. Hello, Twisted Humans. This is the podcast where two best friends chat true crime and have a glass or two of wine. I'm Alicia. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Twisted and Uncorked. So join us every week for Casual Tuesdays where we release a new episode. We are now available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Rate, review, and subscribe. Cheers. Cheers. So, Sean, I know from my farmer friends that carbon makes up all life. And as they farm stuff, all sorts of plants and shit, they have all this shit left over, right? All the parts of the plant you don't want to eat. Can we take that and make biofuel out of it? Right. So that is part of the conversation on what we would call the next generations of biofuels. So the current generation, a lot of the feedstock, a lot of the stuff going into making the biofuels are like food products, potentially, right? We were talking about sugarcane, we were talking about corn and everything, right? Right. And so one of the other options is the second generation, which would be using cellulose and lignin from like crops or from forestry shit. Right. And in this case, you usually need to do a little bit of extra work to turn it into something. Okay. Just because... You know, hell, before we were using, we were like burning through sugar and starches and shit. That yeah. stuff, we already have a lot of things that break that stuff down into some kind of fuel. It's more work to do it with cellulose and lignin. Right. And so for that, people actually already make biofuel out of those things. It's just, it's not super cost competitive right now. So it's about getting the cost down enough to make it work. And all this shit originally came from algae, right? So can we use algae again? Yes, I think... Coal is mostly from, like, forests and shit like that. I don't give but... a fuck about coal. Don't talk to me about coal, all right? Uh, yeah, Just kidding. But... I love coal. I love America, all right? Wow. But besides coal, like, you know, we were talking about algae earlier. Yeah, so algae. Yeah. What can we do with algae? Algae is potentially the third generation of biofuels when mm. people are talking about it. So microalgae, which is, like, single-celled algae. That reminds me of 30 Rock when Jack Donaghy is, like, the first generation comes to America, works to the bone to make a better life. The second generation goes to college, becomes lawyers, doctors, and the third generation become DJs. Nice. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. I thought you were going to quote him saying the third kind of heat. Uh. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of thirds in 30 Rock. So microalgae is like single-celled algae and shit like that. It's thought to be a particularly good way to get some of this biofuel going on. Okay. And one of the reasons why is you don't need to use land at all, right? You can use arable high-quality land to make your food. Second generation, the idea is maybe you can grow stuff on, like, not super arable land. Like, you know, shittier quality land. Right. But algae, you grow in, like, the fucking water or right. something like that. Or you yeah. can grow it in, like, a tank in a lab or right. something. And since microalgae are pretty small guys, they're either, like, small multicellular life forms or they're single-celled. They have a pretty quick growth period, turnaround time. And they can deliver a lot of oil per unit area compared to a lot of, like, terrestrial plants. So this is perfect. Why are we doing it already? We kind of are. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. So um, I said algae. Algae can mean a lot of different kinds of things, okay? And some companies and some scientists feel like, oh, actually, I think cyanobacteria is better. Or single-celled algae. Or multicellular algae. Or 
this kind of, you know, fresh natural algae or this one that's been genetically engineered, right? There's so many options. It's a pretty big category of stuff. Generally, algae are going to produce protein, carbohydrates, and lipids. The lipids are the main basis for the fuel. Protein, carbohydrates, and lipids is what pretty much every living thing makes, so that's not like super unique. But algae, uh, different species can make more of one thing than another. I got this one species here, Nanochloropsis granulata. If you take that species of algae, you grind it up and you dry it out so there's no water, 48% of the weight could be oil. Okay, cool. That's pretty good. Yeah, okay. that's a lot of butter. Others might be making a lot more protein or something like that. Protein can actually be fermented itself into ethanol by like certain kinds of processes. So okay. There's a way to, you know, go around that. But all of that is like natural stuff, okay? There are some engineered species of algae where if you look at their dry weight, up to 70% of it could be oil. Yeah, but are we ever going to have like a like a like a bioethics debate about whether we're like just pumping these poor geese to 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 with fat, you know, to make them Make them thick boys to eat. You're talking about foie gras right now? Yeah. Well, so luckily algae, uh, I don't think there's a, it's going to take a little while before that becomes like a popular area of bioethics. Yeah. Is whether we're fucking around with algae too much. Yeah. There's actually some companies that already make some stuff out of algae. One of them that comes to mind, they used to be called Solazyme. I think they changed their name since then. Okay. But they were a biofuel company out of algae. Yeah. And while they're trying to figure out how to make the biofuel out of algae, like, cost competitive yeah and they actually ended up selling the algae like byproducts and shit for way more money huh. so they're sort of like spin-off companies are actually much more cost effective oh interesting one of them is like a food product company basically it's, okay. it's kind of like a you can take these like algae pills that are like oh it's better for you than omega-3s it's like a nutritional supplement right and they also have a company called alginist okay which sells products at like sephora and shit like that i hate the world and it's like algae lipids so good for your skin like (laughs) rub the algae on your face (laughs) jesus and they make so much more money with those products that like those are the things sustaining their biofuel efforts hilarious yeah because if they can figure out biofuel, then that's going to be a sweetheart deal. But in the meantime, schmucks in a Sephora. Well, yeah, it's just biofuel has to compete with fuel. Right. And if you don't need to go through like a shitload of work, it's already yeah. matured technology. Whereas, whereas algae beauty products just has to compete with the human mind. And, <laughs> yes. and, and it always wins. And nutritional supplements, right? Which right. aren't even like FDA checked on, right? right? So you can just say like anything. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Fauci. I'm going to sell my algae pills. So yeah, they make a shitload more money doing that. Very cool. Um, anyway, so algae, I think that's a big thing. A lot of people think that that's going to be like the big success story. And they're just working on that right now. Okay. So another option in terms of what you can make the fuel out of is seawater. So this was, uh, I did not see this coming, basically. Yeah, not at all. But basically, some Navy ships have like nuclear reactors. That's cool. Right? And so like they can just stay at sea for fucking shitloads of time. As long as the, yeah, they can stay as long as basically the sailors don't kill each other. Exactly. Right. right. But you can't have a nuclear reactor on every ship. Just not all ships I have nuclear reactors. <laughs> Lame. Um, and on top of that, some ships, like aircraft carriers, even if you had a nuclear reactor for running the ship... We don't have nuclear jets quite yet. Exactly. Right. right. So you need to get fuel for the jets anyway. But the Navy was like, huh, what if we could make our own fuel on the ship, on board, 
Smart guys. It was like, okay, well, what's around? A lot of seawater. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, really, the initial plan was just seagulls. <laughs> yeah. They're just, like, <laughs> they're just roping in seagulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Throw it in the can. <laughs> so basically, some scientists working with the Navy figured out a way that you could take seawater and convert it into hydrogen gas and extract carbon dioxide from it. Wow. And then much more recently, in the past couple of years, they figured out how you can catalytically convert the carbon dioxide into carbon monoxide. And carbon monoxide plus hydrogen gas is something we actually mentioned earlier yeah. as a process that you can make hydrocarbons from. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so hypothetically, it is still energy intensive, so it helps if you're doing it on a ship that has a nuclear reactor. You just got a bunch of energy sitting around. Right. But you could make potentially jet fuel on a ship from just seawater sitting around. Man, we're going to really win that next war in the South China Sea, am I right? <laughs> so long as it involves a lot of aircraft carriers. <laughs> right, right, right. And then the next kind of other aspect of maturing biofuels is what your output is, right? So earlier I said biodiesel, I said ethanol, and those two are not similar to the things they get mixed with. Right. What if we could just make gasoline and just make diesel? Right. And so instead of being called biodiesel, it gets called renewable diesel. Okay, cool. And it gets called renewable gasoline. Okay. Very sexy. And these are, I would say, kind of similar to sustainable aviation fuel, the one that we currently make now for jets. They do need to rebrand, though. Yeah. Like, if I was me, I'd call it Regas and Redi, right? And it'd be like my little Regas. And like, <laughs> everyone want to use that. So much so that later on, it'll be in the dictionary for word of the year because it'll be like Regas and Redi. You know, the energy of the future. Incredible. Yeah. That's, I'm going to have James Carville as a spokesperson. The, and then the heart of Hawaii. When we were just talking about the carbon monoxide and hydrogen gas, yeah. those things actually get called syngas because oh. they're used for the synthesis of hydrocarbons. Ah, okay. So syngas, and you would be making regas. <laughs> syngas and regas. Bow, bow, super So, in this case now, we're trying to straight up make gasoline and diesel but we don't want to wait around to have algae kind of turn into weird petroleum shit underground right we want to do it fast in the lab quickly very similar to the sustainable aviation fuel process okay okay so that's taking stuff that has carbon in it cellulose trees grasses or something right breaking them down into hydrogen gas and carbon monoxide and then reforming hydrocarbons out of it, okay? Right. And now it just, it really boils down to how expensive is it going to be to do that? Right, this is the sort of thing that we know how to do, at least in some capacity, and all Congress needs to do is legalize stem cell research. <laughs> and we can finally get those really powerful baby carbons. Well, hypothetically, a shitload of government investments and stuff like that to like subsidize that industry... Always helps. ...would be good enough to do it because it is true, we do have technology to do this. right. The question right now is a refinement of different technologies. What kind of catalysts and processes can make it more efficient and therefore drive down costs? So why are you doing whatever you're doing instead of all this stuff? It sounds like the big money right here. I knew people who were doing this kind of research. I just like getting Get out of what you're doing. No, I like getting up inside the bodies. <laughs> I like those bodily fluids. I feel like you could have just been a proctologist, right? Like there's other fields that that's, are still better for that. That's too close to the butthole. I like it to be like a conceptual butthole distance. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> so there oh, is man. Uh, conceptual butthole sounds to me like a Spinal Tap riff on like an Emerson Lake and Palmer album. Sure, yeah. Instead of brain solid surgery, it's conceptual butthole. It would be a great album name. And it's like it's like a woman screaming close up on her mouth, and then like a butthole like way <laughs> down, down in there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like the way your brain works. Yeah. The butthole. The butthole. I mean, a butt. <laughs> do I need rights to do that? No, why? Okay, why? they all committed suicide anyway by now, right? I don't know. I think two of them did, actually. Okay. Moving on. Yep. <laughs> yes, nothing funny about that. <laughs> okay, so a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about is technology or concepts that already exist but are expensive. Right? Yes. And so there has been some proposals on how to deal with that. And one of the ways to do it is like... I know. Say, what? Regulate gasoline out of business. Sure. And that then is, all of a sudden, the alternatives are very affordable. That is a potential option. <laughs> but uh, one of the other things that you can do, right? Okay, is uh, let's say that the way you want to do this is you want to leave arable land for crops that we eat. Yeah. But there's land that you can't really grow good crops on. Right. But you can grow like grasses and shit. On, right. Like right? Modesto. Mm, no, Modesto has some farming. And ch- I'm thinking about like a... I'm talking like City Hall Modesto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Nothing sure. grows there. Yeah, agreed. Okay, but yeah, so some shit-ass land. Yeah, but you can grow some kind of plant. Right. And then the idea is, what if we genetically engineered a plant that can grow on like sub-quality land yeah. and will produce something that's pretty easy to turn into an oil? Isn't there still some biome that we're totally fucking by doing that? Potentially. Yeah. I mean, isn't all the land that we're not using right now, like, in a national park? Because it's like, oh, the Gila monster. We love the Gila monster. The the Great Plains is a very big area. That's that's a good point. Uh, (laughs) And it's all shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Uh, I I think, from a land use perspective, anything that's not algae is going to be some potential problem. Right. And even algae, you need to ask, is the algae going to be a problem to the things living in the water or something like that? Well, this is the moon. (laughs) Time of the moon now. Sure, sure, yes. These are all moon shots. But the idea is, okay, yeah. so we got some land. We're growing some kind of plant. You can engineer the plant to make something that's easy to turn into oil. Very cool. But also, plants can make a lot of other kinds of stuff. Right, once you're talking about genetic engineering and magic, you could just, like, do anything to the plant. That is kind of the point of this, yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, one group was looking at sorghum and was trying to figure out ways to make sorghum create certain kinds of compounds. And so those compounds, if you manage to make it in the sorghum, would actually net you a lot of money. Because normally the way you make them is like, they're a really small product out of all of the crude oil that you get, and then you process them further and further, and then eventually you can use them. Right, and usually you grow a lot of sorghum, and the average consumer's like, what the fuck is sorghum? <laughs> so I just left with a bunch of sorghum. Yeah, because nobody wants to eat that shit. Yeah, so what now we're meeting in the middle. Yeah, exactly. So you can both extract out this valuable chemical and then the rest of it can get turned into biofuel in various ways that's cool you'd use up all of the plant you would make some money from the biofuel but you'd make a lot of money selling whatever this rare compound is what is an example of a rare compound you could genetically engineer a sorghum plant to produce like arsenic or no i'm trying to remember what their example was it was opium uh, start with a t turpentine no that's already a plant product Something, something with a T. Okay. I can't remember it. THC? But they're small molecules. Right, okay. Uh, that normally get used in like industrial processes. Okay. It's like a solvent or something like that. And it's just, you know, some of those things are expensive to get otherwise. Right. It's kind of a niche market. 
But you can create plants that can produce those things and then you get a lot more of it and get some money. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, so, you know, that's maybe a sometime down the road kind of thing. Cool. But that could alleviate some of the money problems. Okay, well, that's it for biofuel then. That's yeah. That's so jagged. Yeah. Basically, biofuels are a thing that currently exist, mm-hmm. right? They are out there right now. And the next generation stuff is not all hypothetical. We kind of know how to do it. Right. It's about making it more efficient so it's actually cost effective. Right. But, you know, I think biofuels is one of those things that we sort of need to do. Right. Pretty much all of our ideas on how to, like, deal with global warming and all that shit kind of have built into them the idea that biofuels work. Right. And replace a lot of the petroleum-based fuel. All the ingenuity that we put into turning crude oil into a thousand different byproducts, we now need to put into making a thousand little things that can replace that fuel economy. Yeah. Very sexy. All right. Let's thank... Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you to Brian for your art. And you can reach out to us on Twitter at Dish Podcast. Email us at PetriDishPod at gmail.com. We have a Patreon that you can go to, patreon.com slash PetriDish. And we will see you next time. It's a new year. Is Woo. it? No. It's not by the release of this episode? No. No, uh, it'll still be this year. Have a good one, guys. It's almost New Year's, though, so have a happy new year. Have a happy new year. Just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit.